Once there was a, a ruler, a leader, and he was an old man with a very, very, very long beard. In fact, it was such a fine, long beard that people came from far and wide just to get a glimpse of it. Even some tried to steal whiskers from it. But alas, alack, as is the way of these things, he wasn't an altogether happy, long-bearded, ruler, leader type of person. He had lost his word. He didn't know when it happened. It was like a gradual creeping kind of thing. But they were gone. And oh my, but he had had such a joy for words. They would tumble and ripple and rumble and rapple around and about and from and through. And they were gone. Poof. Except they weren't really. Not truly. They were more misplaced than disappeared. Nobody did anything. Nobody tried to help the ruler leader type of person. Nobody actually possibly even fully appreciated the glumness of him. Too enraptured were they by his very mighty fine beard. And then one day, a small young girl in patent printed shoes and frilly socks and a Shirley Temple smile walked into the throne room of the palace carrying a small painted box. Nobody stopped her. They were far too amused by the look of her and and taken with her, enchanted by her. She was solemn, careful, precise in her steps as she walked towards the ruler leader type of person. She placed the box at his feet, dusted off her hands and stepped back, folding her hands neatly before her and she said nothing. And the ruler leader type of person looked at her and didn't say anything either. Not because of his misplaced word, but because something passed between them in a language beyond the human. A ken, a reckoning, a belonging. Nobody moved. Or more, they began to move. 
Like everybody else got restless and bored and went on to the next thing that was fascinating and interesting to them. But the two of them just stayed there looking at each other. He, of course, knew what was in the box. And he smiled. And he smiled and his smile got bigger and bigger and bigger. He didn't need to rush to open the box. Just knowing it was there was enough for now. But she did, of course, because she knew eventually his curiosity would get the better of him and and her bursting to tell would become too much. And she primly stepped forward onto the dais next to the throne and whispered into his ear where she had found the box. He laughed at that, of course. Of course it would be some forgotten tower. Of course it would be a dusty corner. Of course it would be tended to by elves and fae. She had not made any bargain. She had not had to lie or cheat or cajole. She had simply presented herself and asked for the box back. As the courtiers grew weary and drunk and overfed and tired, they, one by one and all together, left, leaving the ruler-leader type of person and the young girl together on their own. He sat on the steps. She sat next to him and then and only then did he open the box and the misplaced words tumbled out and he breathed them back in. And he smiled. And smiled again and smiled bigger and brighter and wider and let the cacophony of sound of joyousness rip around and through and up and down And she laughed at the merriment of it all. Oh, and he remembered once he plucked them through that he'd forgotten existed. Look at this, he said, as he pulled it from him and held it wide for her to see, to know, to marvel at together they did. All through the night, long into the next day and the next and the next until the moon itself. grew tired and had to sleep. Then and only then did they take the hint and let themselves have a breath of moment. He was very clear what needed to happen next to to, to the ruler-leader type of person. She had to become his trusted advisor. There was no other thing for it. And of course, it went without saying, this is what happened. And she was a good and fine trusted advisor. 
things were ruled fairly and evenly and justly. And so, and so, and so, this is how things went on. And so, and so, and so, it was inevitable when the ruler leader type of person whose beard slowly began to shrivel and shrink and ravel back in on itself, grew weary and tired and let out the last of his finest words as gift before he was gone. By this time, the young girl was a young woman, a very capable, clear, forthright, but gracious young woman. And there was no question, because it was written into the ruler leader type of person's will, decree, that she would become the next, not ruler leader, Those words weren't her words. Sovereign was her word. So the pomp and ceremony and circumstances occurred that she was crowned with his crown that sort of but not quite fitted with the extra padding that had been placed inside. And people lived happily ever after. Because this is the type of story this is. That first, I think she's about 23 by now. But that first Christmas, she made sure that every single human within this sovereignty was given their own small painted toy box. And the only thing she asked was that every single human person who'd been given their own painted toy box, and everybody was given one, not a single one was left out because it's not that type of story. They were given a task. And it wasn't an arduous task, it was a difficult task because, you guessed it, it's not that type of story. All they had to do, and it wasn't about money or perfection or expertise, but about care and thought and making time. All they had to do was to find a toy. And it could be any toy. It could be one of their own toys. It could be a toy they found in the street or a rubbish bin or a a toy they bought from a shop. It didn't matter. None of that mattered. Only that they chose it themselves with care and made time in the doing of it, and the wrapping of it. It was such a novel idea, everybody was taken with it and delighted by it. And so they did. 
everybody got caught up in the excitement because it all had to be secret, you see. You couldn't tell anybody else or show anybody else. And she had spoken it out, set it in such a way that it was up to your interpretation as to what a toy was, what you think might delight another. And it was written and said in such a way that there was no sense of guilt or shame if you couldn't afford a super expensive thing off the shelf. Or you picked a stone out of an alleyway. It was about how you let your non-human words speak in the finding and now in the giving. To keep it fair, though, she gave everybody the wrapping paper they must use and the string they must use and the tinsel they must use. So everybody's on the surface, although the shapes might be different and the, the expertise of the wrapping might be different, they were all sort of had a continuity about them. And she said, on Christmas morning, as soon as you arise, pick up your wrapped toy and give it to the first person you see that you have never met before. There's no trickery in this. It was just a simple giving. Give this gift. And that's what they did because it was marvellous and delightful. Who'd have thought to do such a thing as to give a gift to a stranger? But this is what they did and this is how it rippled throughout the sovereignty until, of course, possibly inevitably, there was only one gift left. And it is going to be that kind of story where the one gift left was held by a handsome stranger. And this, and the only other person to have not received a gift was the sovereign herself. I can... I can barely contain the delight that must have been felt that was clear, of course, as the handsome stranger took the last remaining gift to be given to the sovereign herself. Of the sense of recognition between the two of them. Of her realising that the gift that was being given to her was more than that of a wrapped toy. And, of course, the happily ever after continues. He became her consort. He sat at her side. And sometimes, just sometimes, we can continue to have happily ever afters. Even if it all begins with a loss of words in the first place.